Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Get this stool. This one's short. This one's a little bit taller. <laughs> well, LSU pulled it off last night. Yep, yep. Um, does anyone, like, whenever they watch LSU games, like, bite your fingernails or pick your nails or anything like that? Anyone? Can anyone, like, raise their hand for a few seconds? If you come look, uh, it, I don't, yeah, m maybe I need to be delivered from some nervous habits or anxiety, but my, my nails are shot. Uh, and I feel like that happens every year, like around September through November. It's like the same thing. So pray for me. Cool. Well, yeah, like I said, I'm going to go for 15, 20 minutes, and then I want to stay in a pocket of worship. Uh, I've been speaking on the flesh, and this morning we're going to talk about living in the glory, living in the beauty of the Spirit. Um, I, I, I truly believe, and I know you all would agree with me, that we were created to reign. We were created to rule, and we were created to govern. I'm not necessarily talking about like a political thing or a, you know, that, that type of govern, even though God can work in that and he calls certain people to it. But I'm talking about that we were created to reign in glory over our circumstances as we live from the resources of heaven 24-7, regardless of what happens to us around us. That... It is an, a life that is inside out and that everything flows from heaven, which is in us, from God, and then it goes out into a dark and dying world. Amen? But I believe as we learn to do this, one of the greatest hindrances that we have, as we've been talking about, is our flesh. There is Satan and his forces. There is the power of sin, the world, and I believe our flesh. That is something inside of us. That is our greatest struggle. The flesh is caused by you believing a lie about yourself, about the world, about God. It's caused by the pain that was hit in your life, which has mainly been formed probably from childhood and as you've been growing up. And it's, call, it's caused by unbelief. And spirit-led living, if we would just want to say this, pray, and go home, is that we just be delivered from that. Now, the problem is, is we will have this flesh until we go home and meet Jesus. And so the opportunity as we transition from living from the flesh into living from the spirit is that we get to know God and his amazing grace 24-7. And so I'm, I'm going to read a couple scriptures here. Um, you know, the flesh is all throughout the Bible but when I say the flesh, what I'm talking about is the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things, I'm in Galatians 5, 
will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's Galatians 5.19. And I'm going to bounce over to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verses 5 through 9. And it says, Therefore put to death in your members, which is in your brain, it's in your body, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Then I'm going to bounce to verse 8. It says, You are to rid yourselves of anger, of wrath, of malice, of blasphemy, of filthy language out of your mouth. And it says, do not lie to one another. We've probably all read those scriptures before. But as we read those, you know, that, that, that is the, we live in a cause and effect world. That is the effect of living by the flesh. But the cause of the flesh, as I've outlined, is ultimately... You know, the moments in our life are defined by certain events, circumstances that shape our thinking, our beliefs, and also our thought patterns and our actions. And I gave the example the last couple weeks. Imagine if, I know I've said this before, but if I threw a snake right at Jake right now, probably the first thing that he would do is he'd find some way to either run, kill it, or he'd kind of freak out emotionally, more than likely, unless he's, you know, you know. Uh, who's the guy from Australia that passed away? That guy. Um, you know, and, and then eventually his emotions would, would calm down to go from the one to ten, then it'd slowly go down to the fear would go away. His rationale and thoughts would probably balance out a lot sooner. But the problem is if he walked around the corner and I threw a tarantula at him, <laughs> you know, he'd go back into that fight or flight response. And the example I keep giving is, now imagine that that snake, you know, that silly example, and the, the spider is a mom or dad that you grew up with that was directly abusive, that they were angry, or you grew up in an environment to where you truly never learned to go back down from that, we go one to ten, to where you never made it down back to, down to a one emotionally, and to where you become atrophied to where you hit out at a, a seven, an eight, a nine, a six, whatever it is, in an arena of rejection. In an arena where someone's bow and arrow of their words, of their actions, of how they treated you, you somehow believe the lie that you are unworthy. You are not accepted. You don't belong here. And a shame-based identity starts to govern the way you think and feel. Some examples I gave here the last couple weeks is, I don't know the statistics of people that are sexually abused. I think it might be one out of four of females. I don't know the statistics of males. And I don't know fully what that, that does to people, but imagine as an innocent little girl, something happens to you. And yes, I'm going to be honest this morning. But you get violated. And there is no one around to protect you. And it might, whether it happens again, or that that hell stays in your memory. And you start to put a ring around your, your mind, around your life, so that you will never experience that pain again. And you start to control things just so you will never get hurt again. You have trust issues with that gender. 
you don't really know what God is like as a protector because he wasn't there in that moment, at least in your mind. Or maybe you grew up in a home to where it was very highly religious and you got rewarded for good behavior or good choices and you start to perform for other people's praises and your family's praise and you start to get an identity of your own righteousness. Then you start to judge other people because you know that's you ultimately feel judged and worthless. You judge, condemn, and you evaluate other people's situations based on your past and experience. Or maybe you had a mother, and, and please hear me, we're not attacking the mom, the dad, anything like that. This is the result of Satan. And it's the result of a fallen world, and we're all in the same boat. So not, not attacking that, but also exposing what happened. Say you had a mother that didn't know how to show you comfort. And when you experience pain, you experience rejection, you experience moments to where you felt totally alone. A mother, which is, gosh, an amazing source of life and comfort and vitality and everything that they offer that us men don't have, you never receive that. So you start to get your own needs met by comfort through food, through sex, through drugs and alcohol, through work, through pleasure, whatever it might be. And this is how the flesh forms. When it says make no provision for the flesh, it is our opportunity through the glory of God for him to open our eyes and to see the, maybe the hole inside of us, wherever it is, and for him to say, you know what? You're not trusting me there. There's some, there's some pain there that you need to let me touch you. You need to let me comfort you in all of my glory and all of my resources. And we develop patterns as a way of thinking and living and how we get our needs met. And the number one characteristic of the flesh is we start to control things. We believe the, the lie, just like Adam did, that we are God. We're fully in control and we're fully independent. We don't need others around us. And we're going to control our circumstances by protecting ourselves, by doing whatever measures that we have to do to, to take care of our situation. Does that make sense? And so I'm going to share a couple nuggets with you guys. I could probably go for a couple hours, but man, it was just such so powerful this morning as, as the worship team was singing and, you know, Mona got up here and so... Um, and it, there's a glory with that. So I want to stay in that pocket. So it's 1115. I'll go to about 1130. Then we'll bring everyone in here. On a side note, I do believe that the enemy is out to totally destroy this local body. <coughs> he is on a mission to speak lies, for there to be venomous thoughts in our own mind so that he could totally divide and conquer and move on to the next church body, as he's already in. I don't know what that looks like, but I know our opportunity is to take that thought captive and we bring it to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And we ultimately come into a realization and understanding that we were meant to do life with one another. We were meant to do life with community and to preserve the unity of the spirit. It's such a beautiful thing. So, 
just throwing that your way for going to my, my next p- piece. But God put a couple things on my heart for living, living in the spirit. Number one, as you read the Bible, and my gosh, the Bible is, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing book. These are the, it's the written word of God. And so every time we read it, if, if we read it casually, we might miss something. And so every time we read it, it it's the revelation, the, prof- the, the prophecy of Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's in here. So when we read this book, there's so much value for us to just quality over quantity and just to sit and meditate on his truth. I love this quote from Watchman Nee. So I'm going to talk about living in the spirit. Anybody heard of Watchman Nee? He says, every Christian believes that two thieves were crucified with Christ on Calvary. However, there's much more biblical ink dedicated to our death on the cross than there is to that of the thieves. So my question to you is, why won't you believe that, that you were crucified with Christ? May I tell you what I suspect? Watchman doesn't play. I suspect that you refuse to believe it because your religious man-made tradition makes no allowance for it. I'm going to read a couple scriptures here. And my goal in reading these scriptures is to like have a road map, a flow to, to what I'm talking about. I'm going to start in Romans 6. Romans 6, as I scroll over here. Romans 6, 3 through 11. Cool, awesome, it's up there as well. Don't you know? Now, whenever it says don't you know, what, what is that really saying? I think we, we, we probably ought to know it. That all of us who were baptized in Christ, the word baptized actually means immersed or it means identified with Christ. We're baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory or through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self what is our old self? What, what is it? Was it our soul, our mind, will, emotions? Was it our body, or was it was it our was it our our spirit, our nature, our self? It was it was that one. It was the last one. He had to. It's going to sound bad. I'm just going to say he had to kill it. I mean, it says it in Galatians 2:20. That's next. That's in my next scripture. Next scripture. Excuse me. He had to crucify it. And I'm going to get into why. And, I, man, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 like, pray that God opens your eyes. I was, um, I'm totally stopping in the middle of that scripture. Um, I'm going to be vulnerable with you all. I feel like God's, God's telling me to do that. Um, you know, I've, I've been going through some things with business the last few years, and it's gotten hot and heavy this, this year. In terms of uh, false accusation, slander, defamation of character, all those things, and I totally believe that any accusation against any one of us is from is from the pit of hell. It's from the enemy. 
And it, it doesn't mean that the circumstances will go easy, though. <laughs> and there are certain times where, where it's just a little bit, the, the wave is a little bit heavier than others. And I ha had a meeting with an attorney this Wednesday afternoon, and it was just a heavy meeting. It was just a heavy meeting, a lot of stuff that could involve uh, loss or uncertainty. Um, it was just a heavy thing. And God reminded me back to this scripture here, that we too may, may live a new life as we are identified with his resurrection. I know a lot of people have talked about joy here. I literally from the meeting was about to cry. Just, just it was a heavy meeting. I was trying to let out some, some emotion and I, as I was praying. And then all of a sudden, I, I just, I tried, like, in, in probably some worry and some doubt, I tried to just, to just close my eyes and just to focus on Jesus, just to focus on God. And then in, a, in that moment, I know we all probably have separate visions of how we think heaven will look like. I had a vision, and I saw heaven. <laughs> it, remind, <laughs> it reminded me when Jensi was up here, and she just was just worshiping, and then she started just laughing. She just entered into, a, I'll call it a realm, maybe that's incorrect language, but entered into a mindset of faith, of hope, of joy. I, and I saw, I saw you from that time, because it just, it was, it was so cool. And I, I just started just having this joyous laughter. <laughs> I just couldn't stop laughing. And I was, la I was laughing because I knew that God was so much bigger than this. It was such a small thing. And I'm sharing that because we, we all have our stuff. We all have our stuff. And I'm, I'm going to keep reading in Romans 3 and Colossians 2. But my point with all that is Jesus crucified us with him. Then he stopped and he said, okay, I'm going to bury you. You will be crucified. And then, this is why he did it, I'm going to raise you up. I don't fully understand this. It's a, it's a faith thing. But I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to seat you in the heavenly places. Where is Jesus Christ right now? I know he's omnipotent and all over. But, but he's seated at the right hand of God. And for every scripture that talks about Jesus living in us, there's ten times, ten times as many scripture of that we're in Christ. I, I'm going to say it again. For every scripture that talks about that Jesus comes to live in us, there's ten times as many scripture that says we're in him. And the reason why that's a big deal, and I'm about to throw my shoe off and throw it at the wall here, is because our residence right now is in heaven. <laughs> we are, we're not a physical being, even though sometimes we might think that way. We are spirit beings that function out of a soul or personality, and we got this earthly bodysuit for a period of time. <laughs> and we get our identity and our functionality from being in Christ. In 24-7, 365, I know you've heard this a million times, 
but until the rhema word of God comes and hits you, you're not living differently. And we are seated with God in heaven right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like we're, we're, I don't know where heaven is, but like we're there. <laughs> and the problem is, as we fight with the foxes of unbelief, of doubt, of all the pain and in, and the lies that we've believed in our opportunity is to slowly, by the grace of God, start to take off this mask that we would live unmasked lives of authenticity, of vulnerability, of, depend of dependency. But do you want to do that all the time? I mean, ha haven't people hurt you? I heard a guy once say there's two types of people in this world, those who've been hurt and those who've been hurt more. We are broken, but we live by mending, and the grace of God is the glue. And if we can learn to live in the security that we have with Jesus Christ, and we could know the truth, that we would worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm going to read some of scriptures here. I'm not going to do this justice. Liz may have this up here. She may not. I'm sorry, Liz, I'm bouncing around here. You're doing a great job. But to know our treasures that we have in Christ. Here, let me turn to Ephesians 1 says, we have received every spiritual blessing that we have in the heavenlies. Ephesians 1.4, it says, he, one four, it says, he chose us before the foundation of the world. I'm not really sure how that works, but he chose you. That's your security. He, you are free from the law of sin and death. You are fully accepted in the beloved. In him, you have redemption. You have the releasing of the power of sin. There is no condemnation. Romans 8 in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2, you will always triumph. I love absolutes. Always. You'll always triumph. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are an heir to his throne. You are redeemed and forgiven. All of your needs are supplied in him. You are complete in him. I'm just sharing 10 or 12 of these guys. In Christ, we have everything that we need in our opportunity as we live by faith, not by sight. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I see a lot of things in this world, I, I'm not encouraged. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, whether you look at, I don't look at this, but whether you look at the stock market, whether you look at D.C., whether you, I mean, like pick your poison, pick your list. I mean, when we see that, it can be discouraging. <laughs> I mean, you'd be like, what, what in the world is going on? <laughs> but he's training us to, to, live, to live by wonder and live by faith. The second thing I mentioned in talking about living an authentic life, I'm going to read a couple scriptures from you. I'm going to start in Colossians 3.6. 
Colossians. Actually, I'm going to start in Romans 1. I've got too many here. Liz, I'm not serving you well, but thank you for, thank you for your service. <laughs> Romans 1.18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We're focusing on this scripture. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts. The word futile is their thoughts became empty, their thoughts became vain, their thoughts became baseless and pointless. Now watch the flow here, and their hearts were darkened. So their, their, their soul, their mind, their choices, their emotions, they were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Here's the last scripture I'll say. And it says, therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts. To dishonor their bodies among themselves. And I could keep going. You know, a lot, a lot of times, like I said, we'll read the Bible casually. It is important to know the depth of, of scripture. It says, God gave them over to uncleanness. The root word for that actually means a catharsis. So it actually means that they were against being cleansed. It says they suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. And the thing about it is when we come to Jesus, we get cleansed in our spirit, but there is a need for cleansing in our soul. Is this making sense? There is a need for cleansing for us to learn to live an authentic, vulnerable, transparent life. And cleansing starts with learning, with learning to be honest. The root word here also for futile, it means monologue. It's where we get the word monologue. Before Christ and even now, we have a monologue with us, ourselves, and I in our head whenever we experience things of doubt, unbelief, uncertainty, whatever it might be, in the transition of flesh to the spirit is a dialogue. <laughs> it is a dialogue with God the Father, and it's a dialogue with other people. Intimacy looks like to where you can say, into me, as I'm sure you've heard this, I'm going to let you see. I don't know about you, but when you're vulnerable, when you're honest, that it, it takes a little bit of courage. It takes a little bit of bravery because you've done it in the past and you were also, you were rejected in the past. And can people be trusted? But in order to find wholeness, I'm not saying tell everybody your secrets and all that, those kind of things, but in order to find wholeness, being saved, the opportunity that we have as a people 
is really to learn to be like a kid. <laughs> got three kids. My youngest is inquisitive as all get out. He will ask the most awkward, funny, direct questions just whenever he may feel like it. He is a truth teller, whether that's positive or negative. And the, the glory of becoming a little kid again, meaning that we're totally uninhibited. We're vulnerable. We're honest. It's tough to be needy. We learn to be needy. To be dependent on something that we can't see. I could go for literally 45 minutes. I think the worship, uh, the, the worship was so good. I wanted to stay in a pocket there. But as we learn to understand that whenever Jesus died, we died. And the purpose of that is so that we could be raised up and start live with every single resource from heaven because we are in him. And whenever we get metaphorically punched in the face by something that we weren't expecting or we get something gets exposed where we're depending on something that doesn't involve Jesus, it involves our own self, and he wants to wrap his arm around us and say, come on, let's do this together. And number two is, is if we learn to be a people of authenticity, to be vulnerable, to take some courage, take a little bit of, take a little bit of risk, and to step down and say, man, I, I got throat punched this week. I wasn't ready for it. I failed this week. Don't we all count our own sins if we're being honest? I don't know how many hours are in a week. I think there's, I think 24 times 7 is 168, something like that around there. But don't we look at like the two and a half hours of that 168 and we start judging our own selves? <laughs> God looks at faith so differently than us. He's looking at Abraham. He's like the father of faith. And I want to be like, the, the guy literally grabbed Hagar and, like, took things into his own hands and had an affair with this woman. He, he, tri he tried to commit all these things that were outside of what God's provision for him was. But God's like, marvel at this man. He looks at faith so differently than we do. We're so dang hard on ourselves. And as we learn to become like little kids, David, ki can you go get... Um, you already got them? Okay, cool. As we be become like little kids of transparency, of honesty, of vulnerability, dependency, our mask starts to slowly come off. I've had a mask of religion for a little bit. I don't think I'm there anymore, but that's something I've wrestled with. I thought that if I do good things, make good choices, that that was some of my worth was wrapped up in that. What's your mask? Are you willing to take it off? Are you willing to share your, your story? These are the ingredients to living from the Spirit of God.
There are no do's and don'ts. I'm not going to give you three formulas. I'm not going to give you six points for you to take care of. I want to lead you to the source of life. Man, worship was so powerful. I'm going to put my stool up here. But my goal here is as we, as we spit truth out, that it would sink in your soul, wherever that is, <laughs> and then it would start to unroot that lie. It would start to unroot that unbelief, and that you would grasp that, because something has grasped you before from the enemy, from the world around you, and for that truth to start governing you when you get throat punched, and that you can enter into the joy, the joy of a world that we fully haven't seen, but that we have access to. And, <laughs> and that the world would marvel. They would see that. They're like, that's different, but I want some of that. And that's how this glory, this transformational glory, that's how his kingdom comes. I'm preaching in the choir, I know that. But that we would have life, whether it's Monday morning at 7.30 a.m., whether it's Wednesday at 3 p.m., whatever it is, doesn't have to be just on a Sunday. But that we would live from, live from glory. Watch these kids coming in. Are they thinking, are they caring what we're, what our thoughts are? We might need to take a page from their playbook and to say, Jesus, I'm needy. I'm, I'm needy for your for your love, for your for your comfort, for your goodness. I want what you're offering all the time. Regardless if I don't know what the future holds, regardless if I don't have enough money in the bank right now and so that we may live whole whole lives that we would be patient with our bride <laughs> we would love our children without conditions that we would not be governed by any financial circumstance that this is this is how, how it starts you you get where i'm going so it's 11.39. I wanted to end a little bit early. I'm going to ask um, whether it's Amber, the, the worship team that was up here. <laughs> you could kneel. You can jump. You could stand. You could lay down. Or you could just stay, you know, kind of hanging out on the chair. <laughs> he inhabits the praises of his people. Does he not? As we, we got the, the little ones here. The, the precious little ones. Wasn't Jesus always inviting the little kids? You know, it was such a model to say, you, you got to take a page from where they're at. And just like, Jesus, I need you. Uninhibited, vulnerable, transparent. transparent. So kids, come on in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move this, uh, this podium here. And just wanted to end with worship. Micah and uh, Amber may have some words for us as well. Oh, thank you, sir.
our spiritual service, it, it does look like an act of worship. Worship obviously is here. It's 24-7. But I pray that God touches you, that he speaks in an area may, may you not be trusting him with. And that God, God's glory, that we may understand that we have the resources of heaven <laughs> at our disposal. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. We have victory and absolute triumph all the time. And then as that security burns deep in us, that we become a people based in community, based in dependency, based in being transparent and authentic. So you're already there, so let heaven speak. Let, let God speak. I'm not worshiping heaven, I'm worshiping God. Let him speak. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.